On today's episode of the State of the League podcast, Tess and I discuss the Dallas Mavericks and our expectations, the center rotation in Dallas, and a game of true or false. Um, the test answers four questions that you might want to listen to. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the State of the League podcast. I'm Josh, and it's been a while since we've done this. I'm joined by Tess. Um, hey, Tess, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing good. Thank you, Gail Josh. How are you doing? Good. This is our first pod of the season. We did a few last year, and then this is our first one of the season. So uh, how do you feel about the Mavs? Well, uh, a lot has, has a lot has happened since last season. Uh, we were bounced in the first round of the playoffs. There was a lot of frustration, and we had we expected a big free agency and a big uh, big trades for us because we had the cap space, we had the money, and we wanted to see what they did with that. And yeah, apparently the answer for that, like the question we had is that Luca, we wanted Luca to have a better supporting cast because he he pretty much carried that playoff run. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to see, we were frustrated because KP didn't show up. up and a lot of players, a lot of the supporting cast just have terrible, terrible shooting in the playoffs. And we wanted to see like good, good, a good supporting cast surrounding Luca. And the answer the front office has given us apparently is the problem is not the players. The problem is the coaching staff and maybe the health of the players, like KP not being healthy and or not being at his best. Let's say. Sure. So, so I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest, the biggest thing coming into the season, the biggest question mark for me, based on like what I thought our expectations would be is how good is Porzingis going to be this year? And I think he was like completely minimized in the playoffs last season in the Clippers series. Um, And I don't know, I don't know if that was a coaching thing. I don't know. I don't know what that was, Um, but I've always said like, I think I think Porzingis can be the second best player on a championship team if he plays like he did the past two uh, past two or three games. But um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like it, it was a major disappointment last season, considering um, we were up the first two games, we're up two zero, and then I don't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we had like a fifteen point lead. Like it was more, like near in the twenties. Oh, it got almost in the twenties. It was insane. Yeah, and then Luca came out, and then like Clippers went on like a I don't remember a crazy run, like twenty to zero run or something crazy like that. Um, I think it was like a twenty to two run or something. But yeah, that was a uh, we were feeling good. Came back home, and you know I think we got I think we lost two at home. I think I don't think the the home team didn't win till like game six or seven, right? Game six. I yeah, think. Uh, the Maps did not win at home. A home game in the playoffs, <laughs> which which is crazy, but yeah, that sucked. Yeah. So, so we wanted you wanted to talk about how, um, how you thought, or maybe you don't think this, but the coaching you you think that the front office, or I guess at this point it's Mark Cuban because like even Donnie Nelson's gone now, but I guess Cuban thought that the issue with our entire team was the uh was the coaching and not the actual well, players 
I don't know what Cuban would have done if Rick hadn't hadn't resigned. Maybe he would have he would have insisted in in the Rick Carlisle system. But there was a lot of talk about Luca being not sharing the ball or Luca just uh not having his teammates involved. That was the reason we didn't make it further, which was uh absolutely mind blowing since no one else showed up. So yeah, uh, so yeah, bearing the thought, the thought that that if Rick hadn't resigned, we have to think like he changed the GM, and once Rick was gone, he put all his eggs in the KP basket and the Jason Kidd basket. And I would say I was not happy with the decision to hire Jason Kidd because he historically has not shown to be a good coach at all. I agree. And I think it's I think it's very irresponsible to to try to say, well, he just won a championship with the Lakers recently. Um I, I just I think that's very irresponsible because he was an assistant coach there. Um and that's you can't just say, okay, someone's an assistant coach when you have LeBron and AD as your best players. I mean, a lot of people could have assistant coached that team into a championship. Yeah, um, it's like taking credit for something that you were maybe just a little part of, and then you try to make make you the, the main the main role and take the main role in another team. Like, oh yeah, I was in the championship. Like, it's like imagine like someone who was like in a bench player in the Dallas Mavericks championship room and say, hey, I won a championship. And you, and you, and you still think like, no, Derek won that cha- that championship. Just stop talking, please. Yeah. Like imagine like Kyle Kuzma came in and said, oh yeah, I won a championship with the Lakers. I led them to the championship. Like, <laughs> and you still like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, Jason Kidd doesn't have a good track record, especially with Milwaukee. It's like he left Milwaukee, and all of a sudden they started playing really well. And I know that people have accredited, yeah, I know people have accredited like their build on success to Kidd, but I I just, I don't think he's, it just seems like he, uh, you know, you know, football a little bit, like American football. So you've watched the Cowboys play a little bit. He reminds me of like a Jason Garrett type coach. Like whatever happens, he has like the same like blank stare on his face. And it just doesn't seem like I'm sure he's a I mean he's like a he's like one of the one of the better point guards ever. Like I'm sure he knows the game. Like I have no doubt about that, but it's just like as far as a coaching standpoint goes, sometimes he seems a little lost. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm just like looking at it wrong. I don't know. I'm sure he's way smarter than me, probably tenfold when it comes to basketball knowledge. But I just don't feel like he has that same intelligence when it comes to basketball as some other coaches in the league. And I think maybe some of that comes from, okay, we've had Rick Carlisle, who, whether we'd like to admit it or not, is probably one of the smarter coaches in the league. Um, so maybe that the the disparity between those two um, and their basketball knowledge and uh, ability to make changes and game plan is, is, I mean, it's night and day. So I don't know. I, I think it's too early to completely say Jason Kidd is not going to be a good coach. Um, 
but I won't. I'd be more surprised if he was a great coach. Like if he ever wins a coach of the year or something like that, I'll be surprised. Um, and if he gets thrown out in the next year, I won't be as surprised. If that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Which leads me to the fact that to point out the differences I have seen between Rick and and Coach Car, uh, Coach Kid, like. Um, I remember whenever, like you said before, uh, Luca was in a run, he was all fire, and then he suddenly pulled him out of the game, and the Clippers absolutely destroyed us in game three. Like, right. we cannot understand why he did that, we cannot understand what was behind the decision of pulling Luca from the game when he was on a run. And apparently, uh, I have not seen a kid do that. Like, if a player is not run, he wouldn't. He was gonna stay in the floor. Um, but the other thing that I did not like, that I do not like about uh, kid is like, remember when we would just be baffled at the change of lineups between games that uh, Rick did. Like one game, we would have one starting lineup, and the second, the next game, we would have another starting lineup, and the third game, we would have another different starting lineup. He would, <laughs> he was, his thing was just not having to fix it, the starting lineup. You mean like when and, we started, we started Courtney Lee against the Wizards in the season opener? Uh, exactly. Like, so I, <laughs> exactly like that. And we could not understand why he did that. Uh, and sometimes he found lineups that worked really, really well, and he would not repeat them. And we would all ask for your, ourselves, like, why are you not taking this starting lineup that has worked that has worked so well for us? Well, Kid is exactly the contrary of that. Like, we know Dwight Powell doesn't work in the five, and that double big lineup he has with KP does not work at all. We have one. Minus eight point something uh, point and net rating compared to the bench. Our yeah. starters don't just don't work, and it's because uh, honestly, honestly, think that Dwight Powell is the main reason he that these starting lineup doesn't work. And still, knowing this, kid doesn't kid doesn't change it. And it's like, why you have proof that when he's not on the floor, the team plays so much better. You have proved that K- when KP is the sole five on the team, the, the team plays excellent. So why are we still starting Dwight Powell at the five? I think, so, I think it's pretty clear to see. Um, so one thing I've noticed about when Dwight Powell, KP, and Luca are all, that starting lineup, basically. Um, so... You have KP and Dwight Powell. If they're both camped out in the paint, it completely neutralizes Luca's ability to drive in and make something happen inside the paint. Um, if Dwight's down there, sometimes Luca can find him. Sometimes, like Luca will do this thing where he like drives into the paint, and you think he's gonna shoot a layup, but he like dishes it to Powell from like three feet away. And sometimes that works, but. More often than not, it's like it's just a big jumble of mess down there. And um, especially if KP's somewhere in the vicinity, you have three people right there and they're all within distance of trying to contest or guard Luca in some way or another. It just doesn't work. And I think 
Luca is getting better as the season progresses. Like it's like he had a little bit of an off night last night, but it really wasn't an off night. It was just like KP just played almost like out of his mind in a sense. So like it, it kind of diminished how good Luca was. I mean, he had 23 points, so it's lower than his like average. Is what I'm getting at. But he didn't have to do a whole lot. But like Luca's progressing, progressively getting better. And I think that a lot of that has to do with Dwight Powell getting less minutes and being able to operate in the paint a lot more. Um, and I think it's pretty simple. It comes down to this. Like, let's say there's a two-man game between Luca and KP. Well, if there's a smaller guard um, or just about anybody that's not um, like a power forward or a center guarding Luca, if there's a big guarding Luca, um, you know, he, he, he takes them off the dribble um, he posts them up. I'm not, not the big, I'm sorry, a guard or whoever is guarding Luca. Um, he usually takes them down in the paint and is able to operate and score um, just basically posting them up. If it's a big, usually he can do, he does that step back or he'll drive by them and score a layup, whatever. But if that's the case, whatever happens, like there's either a, there's a mismatch with KP as well. So like if, if a big is guarding Luca on the perimeter, that usually means someone smaller is on KP because they've run that two-man game and there's been a switch somewhere. Um, and if it's just KP and Luca with no Dwight Powell or another big out there, then that that's great. That's like what we want. Um, but when Dwight Powell's in there, it kind of screws everything up and it doesn't allow that two-man game to operate because Dwight Powell more often than not is going to be somewhere inside the paint. Um, although last night, sometimes he was just like standing in the corner I don't know why that was a thing either, but uh, I have a, I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on this, but I do have a theory about why Dwight Powell is still starting, but I want to hear yeah. what, yeah. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I have a theory as well. Uh, I think for some reason, um, Dwight Powell has been taking more threes this season than he has ever in the beginning of any other season. Like the, those corner <laughs> threes and Luke has been trying to, actively find White Powell for the three. Um, most of our fellows are just baffled by that because we know Dwight Powell is not a good three-point shooter. And so I believe they try to make it like uh, sometimes KP is going to be in the paint and and Luke was going to pass to the KP for the dunk. And sometimes it's going to be Dwight Powell in the paint rolling. But, those, but both of them would have the ability or somewhat resemblant of the ability to score a three. Of course, KP, we know he can score the three from the, from the three-point line, and Dwight Powell has been scoring some threes. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> the thing is, uh, I think they're trying to, like, take, in, take turns into who is in the paint or who is not in the paint, but more often than not, they just don't, they're both in the paint. And then it doesn't work at all. Like this whole, this whole hypothesis I have of them trying to make a white Powell as somewhat three and D player is not is not working. It's not working yeah. because he's not made for that. No, he's not. And but before I say anything else, Dwight Powell is probably like he's probably an above average backup center. Like Dwight Powell is not a bad basketball player. He's just not a good starter, especially when we see that there are a lot better options for us as far as lineups go than having Dwight Powell and KP start together. Like, 
Dwight Powell is only as bad as everyone makes him out to be because he's not put in his optimal position to succeed. Um, of course, he's not, like I said, he's not a starting center. He's not a good starting center in the NBA. So the fact that he's put in that position is almost not fair to him. Like, he, I mean, he's only as good as he is. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't dislike Dwight Powell. I'm glad he's on our team. He's a decent player, but, um, you know, I don't, but I want to tell you my theory on why I think Dwight Powell is starting. And I, I think... I think I'm onto something here, but maybe I'm wrong. And I want to—I haven't said this to anybody, so I want to know what you think. And this is—this isn't like a joke. This is like my serious theory about why he's starting. So, at the beginning of the season, the what do they call it? The council, the yeah, <laughs> the council the, members. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I don't know the, the leadership council or something. the leadership yeah, council. Leadership. Yeah. So Tim, so Tim, Luca, and KP are on this council. And they were allowed to pick the fifth starter, which it ended up being Dwight Powell. So Dwight Powell is the starter. It didn't work out. It hasn't worked out. But we're we're starting to see his minutes diminish a little bit. And I think the reason this didn't happen sooner, because, like, you take you, me, everyone else on Twitter, all Mavs fans everywhere, they know that Dwight Powell, like, that lineup is not working. Like, you, it doesn't matter if you're a middle school basketball coach, a spectator, like anybody that knows a little bit about basketball can watch that lineup and say, okay, yeah, this isn't working out. And the, like the common denominator here is Dwight Powell. But if Jason Kidd takes Dwight Powell out of the starting lineup, like the second or third game of the season, then that leadership council loses all its credibility. And like Jason Kidd is giving them that, I guess the privilege of choosing that starter and maybe on paper, or maybe there's something they saw in practice as players that like they trust Dwight Powell more than other players or whatever. Um, so if you take that away from them, it's like that privilege doesn't exist anymore. Like they, Jason kids trying to earn their trust by saying, okay, you guys are, I'm putting you in a position to pick this fifth starter. Well, if you take him out the second game, then the players are just like, okay, what the hell? Like, you, you said you're going to give us this privilege, and then the first game doesn't work out, second game doesn't work out, and you take away this privilege. So maybe Jason Kidd was giving it time to say, okay, like, you know, I did give it time. I listened to you guys. I tried to trust you. I tried to trust your, like, judgment on this. It didn't work out. And slowly we're seeing Dwight Powell's minutes go down because I think that maybe the players are starting to find out that KP is just better at the five with some shooters and defenders around him. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. But the thing is, when you're a coach, you can just pull your leadership console and say, hey, <laughs> we have observed that maybe Dwight Powell is not the best option. Do you still want to put that Dwight Powell at the five? Or do you want that? Do you guys want to try something else? And then you still give them the power, but you kind of lead them into the decision of, hey, uh, we need to win games. And the common denominator, denominator of why this is not working in the starting lineup is Dwight Powell. And I think you know it too. So, yeah, what should we do about it? Right. I'm not saying that what Jason Kidd has – if that's the case, if this is why it's happened for so long, I'm not saying it's necessarily um, the correct decision by Kidd to leave Powell in the starting lineup. I'm just saying it makes sense, and I don't necessarily fault him 100% for it because 
it's like let's say like we're doing this podcast and i say tess i'm going to give you um the privilege of picking the intro music for the first whatever this podcast this season and you're like okay and then you pick a shitty song on the next podcast i'm like you know what tess I'm just going to go ahead and say that you're not going to do that anymore. You'd be like, well, what the fuck, Josh? Like, you gave me that privilege that you can't, like, take it away from me the first time I fail. So, like, yeah. you would be, like, lose a little bit of trust in me. Like, you'd be like, okay, well, did he really just – did he just do that so I would, like, feel important? Or did he really mean what he said when he told me I could pick the music? Like, that's that's kind of, like, where it, it is for me, like – I understand why he has left Dwight Powell in the starting lineup, but the way that Dwight Powell is still starting but not playing as much kind of tells me that, like, Jason Kidd knows it's Dwight Powell, but also he maybe doesn't want to take that credibility from this quote-unquote leadership council. And, I mean, I hope I hope he's biding his time until Maxi comes back because Maxi had been playing out of his mind. He was playing unconscious when yeah. – when when he had that oblique strain, which was really unfortunate because he he had a couple games in a row where he had like four blocks or three blocks or something like that. And he was playing excellent defense and he was shooting threes and making them. Uh, yeah, he was a real three and D guy. Uh, so yeah, it was really unfortunate that he got hurt. So I hope he's biding his time, like diminishing bit by bit uh, Dwight Powell's minutes. So when Maxi comes back, he can move KP at the five, put Maxi at the four, and we have a new starting lineup. And Dwight Powell can come up from the bench. And I actually quite like Dwight Powell's, like sometimes he has really good hustle plays, like where he makes offensive rebounds that uh, give us another possession or, and, or he makes even three in a row. And it's like, okay, good job, Dwight. Uh, but I think he should not start. Like that, that doesn't make up for the fact that he is a real liability when he's playing with KP at the at the five. Right. I so Dwight Powell played 17 minutes against the Nuggets last night, and I think he played like the same against the Spurs on last Friday night in the win. Um, I think he played like well, I think he played 15, maybe 16 minutes uh, in the win against the Spurs. KP played, like, I think 32, 33 minutes in each of those games. I don't see his minutes going down much, um, if at all, when Maxi comes back. So the only person really left for their minutes to go down is to, like, not play Willie Cauley-Stein at all or to cut into Dwight Powell's minutes. Yeah. Um, either either, either actually, one of those I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was about, as I was about to say, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean Willie Collinstein really has no redeeming qualities. At least we can say <laughs> we can say Powell has hustle. Willie Collinstein yeah. doesn't ha- even give you that. Have you seen? And I'm not even trying to be funny. Um, have you seen Willie Collinstein do anything at all? Like one play this season that you can just remember as like, man, that was a good play. Because I don't, I can't think of anything. I can think of something that every player on the team has done. Um, that has gotten significant minutes, and I'm like, wow, that's that's a good that's that's I'm optimistic about this player showing that ability to do this. But Willie Cauley Son hasn't showed me anything that I'm like, wow, that that's that that was a great play. Like, I mean, he's done a couple things, like he he's got like a block or something like that. Um, he's yeah, like caught an Uber thirteen, yeah, 
he's called like an alley oop or like got a rebound or whatever, but like he hasn't done anything that like a seven foot center in the second unit shouldn't be able to. You know what I mean? Like he's just he does the yeah. bare minimum. In other words, so I mean, I remember more times of me screaming into my pillow because, as you remember, normally when we are watching these games, it's like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. over here, and I don't want to wake anyone up. But yeah, I remember screaming into my pillow because uh, Willie Collinstein doesn't move. Willie Collinstein gets pushed around, and he doesn't really make the effort to be to keep his 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 player out of the paint. He doesn't make the blocks. He gets like absolutely trashed on on the on the on on defense. He doesn't grab rebounds. He just he doesn't even jump for them. Uh, yeah. And whenever Luca just spoon fits him fits him a, a pass for him to make a dunk, he misses it. So yeah, it's I don't know what to. I don't even know what to say about him. Like I don't know why why he's still. Our second unit center. I know a lot of people wanted to give to give Moses Brown a a, a chance. I don't think uh, giving Moses Brown a chance was gonna be the answer to it because I actually believe Moses Brown is it. The decision to to send Moses Brown to the G League is better because it gives him more confidence, more time to to develop, more time to just like um. Get familiar with the physicality of it, and just not waste away in the bench. And after he comes back, I think he will see more minutes and more trust. Uh, and kid will put put more tr- more trust in him. I believe so. But yeah, Willie Collinstein is just uh, is it is a negative in all sense. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know that Moses Brown would do anything at all. That I don't think he could play any worse than Willie Cauley-Stein has been. Like, I don't think there's anything he could do that, like, other than just, like, turn the ball over 10 times a game or, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know of anything that he could do that would be, that would, he would be worse than Willie Cauley-Stein. Like, there's no way he could possibly be any worse. Yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that Kid puts more, uh, puts the rookies to play more. Because, um, uh, yeah, um, because pretty, pretty much, uh, he hasn't played the rookies, he hasn't been playing Jazz Green all that much. Uh, because I pretty much like, I, uh, he had he has just played the veterans for you, if, if you, if like, if that's a thing. And I actually don't like that them that much because I, I hoped that. With Rick gone, he was gonna give the rookies more, more time to de- to play, more time to to actually prove themselves, and that hasn't happened. So I hope when they come back from the G League, that happens. Yeah, I don't know that. I mean, we our rookies are still they're playing they're playing well in the G League. I don't know. I don't know if we have any rookies that would like take minutes from people other than like. Uh, Omar Yui or what, however you pronounce, I can't ever pronounce his name right. I could see him taking like Willie Kelly Stein minutes and maybe Dwight Powell minutes. Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't seen enough of him play to really like gauge how how good or bad I, he would be. But and I don't know that Josh Green deserves any minutes. I mean, 
I, I don't, don't know. Think, so. He's not he's not renewing his rookie contract. I'm sorry. He's not getting an extension. Yeah. And that um, sucks because the whole 2021 draft was an absolute planned slate. Yeah, uh, especially considering we there were a lot of better players that went after Josh Green. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, that's a whole other topic. But what are you, what were your expectations at the beginning of the year? And then what have they have they changed at all? You see, the problem with the fact that we have the exact same roster we had three years ago just pretty much made my expectation just look warm. Like, I did not, as I said before, I did not like the kid hiring. So my expectation just, like, if we have the same roster and our peak was a first-round exit, I don't see why these coaching staff would make it further than the previous coaching staff would have done. And what I saw was that the maps and the front office was putting all their eggs in the KP basket and counting on KP to be being healthy and being like the guy we thought he was gonna be when we made that trade back in 2019. I think, yeah, 2019. 2018, I think. Was it 2019? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it was. was. 2019. It was 2019. It was, 2019. It was February. like February. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. February 2019. Uh, and we thought he was going to be the guy, uh, the unicorn. And until now, he has shown flashes of being that guy. Like, he has he has had stretches of him shooting the ball, the ball really well, having really good defense, uh, being able to carry the team when Luka was out because of injury or or or, or because he was resting. Um, KP uh, took the team on his shoulders and dragged them to the win- to wins. Like I remember, especially that Milwaukee game we had in regular season. Uh, Luka yeah, he had, had like forty. Uh, yeah, it was insane, and he hit like two threes from the logo at the, at the in clutch in clutch time to yeah. to to actually win the game. Uh, yeah, we have we have seen Bubble KP. We always joke in Twitter about Bubble KP because he played amazing in Bubble until he got injured. We know KP can be that guy. The frustration with KP is because we know he can be that guy. We get really frustrated when. More often than not, he is injured, and when he comes back, he needs a time to, like, say, re- to reestablish that uh, dominance. And so, what we're seeing right now is a good three-game stretch. And I pray and I I, I ask for any power in the world that exists, <laughs> into any and every power in the world that exists to please let this continue and let this be the KP season because pretty much the Mavericks just have put all the money and all the the basket, all the eggs in the KP basket and we need that to pay off because if it doesn't pay off, it's a losing season. It's another season where our peak, our ceiling is a first round, is a first round exit. I don't particularly care how we end up in the standings uh, this year because pretty much uh, my expectations are the same as last year. Like 
I think at the most are we're a top five team in the West. And I think like the way we have been playing, like we have not really been dominant against good teams. And I know we won yesterday against Nuggets, but uh, that was a win that was against a team that has hasn't got like three of their of their best players in the Bible and it was in the second night of a back to back and I think I know people are gonna say, Oh, you're so negative, just take the win. Like I am taking the wins. I know we have a nine four record, but I, I think the real team that we have and the real um the real potential we have will be shown in this week. Like I know tomorrow we will not have Luca available because of his of yesterday's ankle sprain, and I'm thankful it was really nothing and just they're just uh resting him for, to be sure. But yeah, uh, starting like starting this game next game against Phoenix and when Luca comes back, especially we have to look at those games as a as a sample of what this Maverick team really is capable of so how are you going to feel if we beat phoenix twice with no luca i mean <laughs> i you feel pretty I, good i would i would feel pretty good about it i i would think like hey this is a team that can actually hold their own if even if luke is in the bench or, or even if luke is not playing at all like not what not what happened in the in the playoffs when he sat and like the point differential was absolutely crazy. Like the bench when Luca sat, it was like a minus forty-one, and when Luca played, it was a plus five. And yeah, that's that's insane to me. Yeah, like, that's wild. So, so if they beat Phoenix twice, that's improvement, no matter how you slice it. I'm gonna tell you. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be real here. If Luca doesn't play in either Phoenix game. I am expecting us to lose both of them. If we win at least one of them, I'm pretty content with that. If we go one and one against a team that just got bounced in the finals, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that. With like without our best player, like that's a that's going to be. I'd be pretty optimistic about a one and one uh, split against the Suns. But something we can watch out for in this game is or these next two games. If I don't know how long Luke is going to be out, I. I know that people are saying it's going to be just one game, but I mean, it's we're recording this on on Tuesday evening, and they said Luca is for sure going to miss some time. Uh, I I would be surprised if it's only one game. I hope it is, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like I, I it's probably going to be two. If I had to, if I had to guess, like that would be the number for me. Is like he's going to sit against both uh, Suns games. Um, I could be wrong, and I hope that I am. Hope it's only one. But uh, we'll see. But anyways, what I'm what I'm getting at is I think it's going to be nice to see, like, what KP can do as a number one option. Like, is he going to be like the Bucks KP when he played against Milwaukee and had 40? Or is he going to be like a 15 points on, you know, four of 13 shooting again or something like that? Like, I'm interested to see which KP we get when he's the number one option. I mean... Not only KP, uh, we have to see what Jalen Brunson does when he's a starting point guard. And well, I trust Brunson. I trust Brunson. Like you know, I love Brunson. I have actual resets in this in this podcast. I have said before, 
Like I think it was two years ago or, or one year ago that I absolutely loved Jalen Brunson. He was probably my second favorite player in the Mavericks team. And I didn't say this when he exploded and just uh, went bonkers this season. I said this yeah. last season. Like, I absolutely love Jalen Brunson. He's the most stable guy, the most reliable guy we have in our roster. Even even, even more reliable than Luka, because Luka sometimes just gets into this mindset, I don't, I don't know, this energy that is a little bit weird. And I know he's our franchise, franchise player, and I absolutely love him, but I have to be real with him. Like, that thing he did last game, just before the half ended, when he stayed to discuss with the ref and just just went in, in his face and was all, like, really angry and just just pretty much uh, pouting because he didn't call the, the foul. He has to stop that. When you don't get called for the foul, just stop it. Just go back on defense, play your game, um, and just concentrate on making your baskets. You don't expect Especially- you to call the yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially when you're playing against someone like Jokic, like who is going to make the right play every single time when it's four on five. Like, like they're that's like Luca. If Luca has a four on five, like he's gonna make the right play. And that's what Jokic is gonna do. You have to know that. Like and the and the technical foul at the end of the half yesterday, like I'm glad we won and like it's great. Like we, we wanna focus on the positives and everything because we won. But that like that sucked. Like how you're about to go into the locker room, like take out your frustration in the locker room, you know, talk to the refs when you come back out, if you have time to cool off or or whatever you need to do, but to get a technical foul after the half is over, like the buzzer sounds like it's over. Just go like decompress and deal with it. Like there's no reason to get a technical foul. Especially because you know, nothing is going to, is not, nothing's going to, Nothing is going to change in your favor because of that. So why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You you don't win anything. I know a lot of people don't want to like admit this, and like people think you can't say anything bad about Luca or KP without the masses, you know, asking for your head or whatever. But Luca really does need to grow up and learn how to be a leader because, like, that just kind of sets the tone. I feel like every time he does that, it like there's like a negative vibe around the team for like the entirety of like the next quarter or or few the next few possessions or whatever it may be like it just doesn't like you when he gets like he slumps his shoulders and like mopes around the court and goes and stands in the corner and it's so frustrating it's like dude you're like a top five top 10 player in the league at like if not top 10 like maybe top five like just like your your shots are gonna fall like you're gonna get the call at some point like just keep playing, you know. Like instead of costing your team points on on four on five transition possessions, like just play basketball. Yeah, I, I people have been t- telling from the beginning of the talking about from the beginning of the season about Luca being an MVP candidate. And I'm sorry, but even though I I know Luca is gonna be an MVP someday down the road, I don't think he's ready for that exactly because of that. Like. When he is not in the right mindset, he is just a just a complete negative in the court. Like his defense just absolutely sucks. And then his offense, he makes the dumbest decisions. Like he will try to make a pass and then just 
throw the ball to the other team in a turnover. And it's incredibly frustrating because you just want him to be aggressive and just go to the basket, try to make something happen. But And then he once he has a turnover and they have a pass break, he slumps his shoulders and just looks at the ceiling like, oh, I'm so frustrated. Like, please stop that. And as long as, that, just as long as he has that attitude, his, that MVP trophy is going to get away from him. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, and the thing is, too, like what's frustrating even more is that like Luca, when he when he wants to focus, like it, I'm talking more about defensively than offensively. We know what he can do offensively, but when he like actually is engaged and focused defensively, like he is a good I'm not going to say he's a great defender yet, but like he is definitely like a good above average defender. Oh, he's a really like, good on-ball defender because, yeah, his off-ball defense and movement is, uh, yeah, you usually want to kind of just, like, please yeah. look at just your feet. But, like, there are a couple of possessions. Like, I think Jokic got him one time on a post-up, but, like, there were three or four possessions where he, like, caused a turnover when he was, like, guarding Jokic. Yeah, and he did. He he, he's sense. done that several times. Yeah, he's done that several times this year where – like he's only like six. I say only. He's like six, seven, six, eight. But he's really good at at playing defense, especially um, in the post, like man to man or whatever. Like he is a good defender, and that's kind of how you know when people don't watch the Mavericks is like when they say like Luca's like a top five worst defender in the league, like bottom yeah, of the league defender. Yeah. Like Listen, he's not. Like he's not. I mean, he's not great off enough ball defense. He's just uh, yeah. When you see his off ball defense. He doesn't set screens. He just uh, stays in the corner. He doesn't. He never knows where his man is. So it kind it's kind of frustrating. But when it's all ball defense and and it's a one on one situation in the post, he's not gonna get moved. And more often yeah. than not, they're gonna miss the shot, or he's gonna steal the ball, or he's gonna cause the the play to be broken broken down. So yeah, I don't think he's about a bad defender. He's just not one – I would say he's average at this point. Yeah, yeah. I think all around he's average. Like, there's things he's great at on defense, and there's things that he's terrible at. So, like, all together I would say he's he's average to maybe a little bit above average on defense. Um, that's just, you know – Like I said, that's defense. kind of how you – Yeah, definitely not, not Especially when he's engaged. Like – um, if it's crunch time, especially if things are going his way offensively, like he's gonna buckle down and, and get after it on defense. But like you said, it's just whenever things aren't going his way on offense and he's just like stands around and like I don't know, it, it just it causes a snowball effect whenever he has that negative attitude. But anyways, I have a couple of um a couple of questions I'm gonna ask. We're gonna play a game called true or false. I'm just gonna tell you a statement and you tell me if it's true or false with some type of explanation. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm not, I mean, I'm, not, I'm putting you on the spot here. I mean, just scare me, but I'm willing to take <laughs> the risk. Okay. okay, so right now, the Mavericks are third in the West behind Golden State and Phoenix. Do you think they finish as a top four seeded team or no? Okay, no, I... I'm sorry. The Mavs will be a top four seeded team. True or false? False. 
there's a lot of teams that are better than the Mavs. Uh, there are teams that have not their whole roster. Look at the Lakers team. I don't think the Lakers are going to end up as bad as they are right now. They're going to figure it out. And once they do, they're in for the top four spot. The Nuggets are going to climb up. Those spots because they're that good, and then you have the Phoenix, Utah, and the Warriors. So yeah, I do not believe the maps are any better than any of those teams. I think so. I think that we're third, and we have played mostly awful up to this point. So I I don't know what to say because I, I don't want to say that we couldn't because like I said we played really bad we played really really bad for the most part I mean we we had a good game against the Spurs in the third time that we played them and then we played good against the Nuggets um but we haven't played like if you look at the season as a whole we've played thirteen games and we have not played good in like probably. 10 of them at least. I would say maybe, you yeah. can make a case for like 11. We haven't played good basketball in. So You have to take into account that most of those games are against really terrible teams as well. So I, I agree with you, but at the same time, like if we play like we have against the Nuggets or the like Spurs, like it just comes down to knocking down shots. Is what I, A lot of that comes down to and then having the right personnel on the court. And if we... You know, if we can get Dwight Powell out of the starting lineup and then <laughs> guys like Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith and, you know, if everybody starts knocking down the shots, these wide-open threes, like, you know, we have we have a case. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put money on it. I think we'll probably be like a five or six seed again. Um, that's That, that changes game to game. Like, we'll play bad like a four-game stretch and – that might change. But from what I've seen so far, I think we're probably a five or six. I think we're just good enough to not have to go to the play-in, but I don't think we're a home court advantage team. I actually agree with you, um, but I do not think we're top four. Like, I think in okay. the West, they're just, there are just teams that are way better than the Mavs, even when if they played and knocked down their shots. Okay, fair enough. So, okay, next one. The front office will make at least one trade before the deadline. Mm, true. I will have hope that Nico Harrison is going to do his job and hopefully make a trade and get Willie Kallenstein and Treberg out of, our, <laughs> our, out of our, our roster. I don't care who we get. Hopefully a somewhat good role player or a good pickup. Yeah, I, I think we will make a, a tra- another trade to end I think the, the free agency. Uh, before the trade, trade deadline? Yeah, maybe trade deadline length. Okay. I think, I think we'll make a trade to consolidate like some players that maybe could get some run on a bad team or some younger players like Josh Green, um, I, I don't know. I think that I think we could consolidate like three or four players into one like starting player, if that makes sense, or something we need like an, an actual like starting center, if that's what we're going to do is play KP at the four all year. Um, I think Sterling Brown could be involved in that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if like Reggie Bullock or Trey Burke, Willie Cauley Stein, um, even Dorian Finney Smith or Maxi. Like, I could see. Um, 
or Dwight Powell even. Like, there's a lot of players that you could consolidate to get a better player, especially if you package it with, like, a second-round pick or something like that. Like, I think there's there's a way that we can get better without giving up too much because of that. You know, we have some decent role players. Like, Sterling Brown hasn't been what we thought he was going to be, but um, maybe he could – you know, he was pretty good with the Rockets and, and the Bucks in recent years, so maybe another team feels like they could utilize him a little bit better. Um, maybe a team's looking at Dwight Powell. I guess he's been – other teams have inquired about Dwight Powell over the past couple of years, so maybe we finally, maybe Mark Cuban finally decides to trade him. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Who knows what's going to happen? This is like the most quiet front office in the league, so it's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen. But I will say I'm going to be hopeful and say true. They're going to make a trade before the trip deadline. Hopefully, it's not for like. A, <laughs> What, J.J. Redick and Nicolo Milli? <laughs> yeah, let's not do that again. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I'll always remember that because I was forced to eat paper because of that trade. But, um, <laughs> so, okay, so there's two more. KP will average at least 23 points and seven rebounds this year. Again, I'm going to be hopeful and say true. The way he has been playing uh, shows me that he's capable and uh, of averaging like 23 points. The thing I'm not too sure about is the rebounds, but I think he's capable of that since he averaged like 10 rebounds or something or eight rebounds in last season. So, yeah, I think he's, yeah. he's capable of it. Okay, yeah. I would say that I'm pretty hopeful as well. I think that we can get... I think we can get 23 points and seven rebounds out of him, especially like it all again, it all comes down to the personnel. Like if we, if I just don't know, we have to stop playing Dwight Powell at the five to start the game. If that can happen, I, I think that that's like, I don't know. I, I think that that is, They're heading is, is trending them. that direction. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're trending in that direction. Um, so uh, I'm hopeful that we'll make a change, but who knows what Jason Kidd's going to do. Yeah, we would have to see. But, okay, the last one. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but Jason Kidd knows what he is doing. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> he knows what he's doing sometimes, but... Uh... <laughs> I bet he does, but uh, I have to figure it out. I think for now, I would say it's true because I would I will say that the defense on this team has been really, really proven with him. So he's onto something, and like as you said, we have been winning games, even playing horribly. So something good he has been he has been doing with these guys. And they look happy, so I will say he kind of has a play, an idea of what he wants to do, so I'm going to just let him do his thing and then make myself an educated opinion once this week is over and we have a real sample of what this team is against good teams. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I, I, I pretty much agree with you on everything there. Um, I, I do have like one question before we close up here. What? Who do you think the starting lineup will be against Phoenix when Luca doesn't play. And oh, who do you think exact... it should be? Okay, so that's, that's the... a better question. Who do you think should start? That's what. Okay, that's that's should... a better question. Okay, so I would I would like to for starters for a starter I would like like 
KP at the at the center position. I would like uh, Tim Hardaway, Reggie Bullock, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Jalen Brunson. That's literally what I just I wrote this down when we started. That's what I have: Brunson, Timmy Bullock, Dorian, KP. Yeah, that's that should that's be the starting lineup. Hundred percent. Like everybody there can shoot. And you have decent defense. I mean, Timmy's not great. Brunson's not. Brunson is, he takes charges and he's good for his size and, you know, whatever. But he's a smart player. But, I mean, if KP's protecting the rim, you got Dorian and Bullock out there as well. Like, not a bad defensive lineup and you can hit shots and you spread the floor. So, I think that's what's important, especially against a team like the Suns. And I guarantee you it's going to be Brunson, Timmy, Dorian, KP Dwight though, that's probably what it yeah, will be. Yeah, it's gonna be exactly the same lineup we had had like the whole season, only replace Luca with JB. That's yeah. that is that's what it's gonna be. <laughs> that's it. that that was an easier way to say it, but yeah, that's I think that's I think that's uh, probably what it'll be. But we all know everybody on Mavs Twitter, everybody everywhere knows that that's not the best lineup. So. But maybe Dwight will only play like 15 minutes and I will be well. Or maybe or maybe uh, Jason Cade uh, takes advantage of the fact that Luke is not playing and just make makes tweaks on the starting in the starting lineup. Just to be helpful. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my breath for it, but we'll see. But uh, that's all I have. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, uh, I want to say a huge shout out to Fran Nilkina. Uh He has been great. He has been, I think, the best pickup we have made in the offseason. He's in a minimum contract, and he has been playing absolutely great for us. I think he, sh- he should have a limited role. He's not a player that should play huge minutes, but the, the minutes he plays... Uh, he plays really good defense. He shoots the ball uh, really well. He makes plays. He is able to go to rim. He has been absolutely great for us. So I'm very happy. I, I could not mention. agree more. Hi, I'm just I'm I'm happy, and I didn't want to close up this podcast without giving him a huge shout out. Um, being really happy, he's finding his way with us and. Maybe we can make him like uh, a long-term, a long-term player for us. I hope so. Yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with how he's been. Um, I know you know his if you look at it, like his offensive counting stats, um, it's, they're not like they're not going to blow you away. And if you don't watch the games, you probably look at it and you're like, well, he's only scoring like five points a game and like you know whatever it's like three rebounds, you know whatever. But like if you like he pushes the ball off the court. And he makes the right play more often than not. And that's where that's really what we need, especially if Brunson's not on the floor. Like it's been huge to have to have Frank out there kind of like being able to push the ball up the court, somebody that can dribble to some extent, and then also guarding um guarding other guards because Brunson, you know, like I said, he is what he is. He's not great. I mean, he's a smart player, but he's not really putting the clamps on anyone. So it's nice to have another guard that can kind of do that. But yeah, Frank's been awesome. I'm I'm glad that we picked him up. And honestly, Frank has kind of been what I thought Sterling Brown was going to be. Hopefully I'm, Sterling Brown figures that figures it out, but yeah, uh, right now I'm just going to be happy we had Frank and forget our I, stream. 
There, there was a time when we didn't know if Frank was going to make the uh, make the roster. Really, it was amazing. Like well, he has really yeah. made a place for himself, and he's rightfully so. Like he has shown everyone he's uh, he's okay, a, a capable player. He did not have the opportunity he deserved with the Knicks, and maybe with, he will find a place with us in Dallas. You know, we have. We are the Dallas Mavericks, uh, forming Knicks players uh, rehabilitation project. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy to see to see Frank playing really well. But uh, is that all? Is that all you have for today? Yeah, I I I hope we win uh, in these next four games. A couple of them, if we win two out of four. I'm gonna be really happy. I'm gonna be really optimistic optimistic yeah. if we can split if we can split games against the suns and the clippers that's a and 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 not have luca for two or three of them and that's that's a win that's going to be uh good and then the clippers is like a rivalry game so you never know yeah, how they have to happen. take it personal they have to take it personal i think i think luca will want to play against the clippers i think he oh, loves geez. playing against the clippers and um, uh now they have a chance to play against them. We have Kawhi Leonard. Like, hey, now we're an even ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Tess, um, it's been fun as always. Uh, listeners, if if you listen to this, whether it's five of you or five hundred of you, we appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening. And uh, Tess, you have a good one. Yeah, you too, Josh. Uh, and go maps. Go maps.